0: I love I love how roll the windows up, roll the windows up, and everyone else's that's not sitting by the window is just getting a kick out of that and not rolling them up. Well, this is uh, one of the viral videos that has gone viral this past week, over a million views already, and we're in a series called Viral, and I just want to welcome you all to week three of this series, and I want to welcome those that are streaming live right now online and those on podcast and video. Uh, we're just so glad um, to, to be in this series together, and, uh, and, and Joe, where's Joe? That was just, that's just an awkward transition from worship to, uh, <laughs> to that video, I tell you, that's just uh, one of those things. But it's fun when, when we see something like that and, and when we experience something like that, the, those, those people in that car felt the need to want to share that with others, right? And so the only reason we're sitting here watching that is because they posted it online somewhere and then one person saw it and thought, hey, that'd be funny and they'll share it and they'll share it. And, and all of a sudden, here we are this morning talking about that. And in our staff, we were having the conversation of, uh, is that a buffalo or a bison? deep stuff that goes on here in in staff. Buffalo or bison? And I was told by someone smarter than me that there are no um, buffalo in America. We only have bison. So I don't know if that can be confirmed or not. I don't know what this has to do with anything, but that's your little extra tidbit take home. Cameron's smiling over there. He's like, yeah, I gave him that little bit of advice this morning. So anyway. We digress, but we're talking about a series called Viral and how do we go viral and how do we have a faith that is contagious and and that gets passed from one person to another and and really begins a new life cycle for other people and, and from one generation to the next. And in this series, we're looking at the book of Acts. And we began in Acts chapter one, verse eight, which is kind of a key verse throughout this uh, series, where Jesus said, "You know, wait here, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And he's talking about when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people, when your lives are transformed, it's going to go viral, and it's going to begin where you are, and it's going to go from one person to the next, and it's going to get shared, and can get shared, and to the point where we are sitting here today talking about Jesus Christ, reading his word, and talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Then last week, we talked about, well, it's one thing to have this plan to go viral that Jesus had, to go from person to person, but really, we first have to be infected. We have to be changed. And Peter, when, when he and, and the first disciples received the Holy Spirit, And people began to gather around because they were sharing the message of Christ in different languages. And it kind of created a stir. Peter stepped up and he shared the message of Christ. And began to tell them who Jesus is and why he came and and what he did. And after he was sharing all that, the question came, so what do we do now? And he gave them the simple message. Here's how the transfer happens. He said, repent, turn from your sins, and be baptized. And that question was put before the people and it said over 3,000 that day gave their life to Christ. 3,000 were saved and were baptized. And then they gathered together as a church and said, what do we do now? And they began to meet in homes and study the Bible and study God's word and pray together and take communion together. They were now the church. And from this first transfer of of, the disciples and the early believers to these 3,000, the word began to go out. And as we follow the story in the book of Acts, it continues to spread further and further. But it took this being infected And we can't be viral, we can't be contagious with our faith if we ourselves don't have faith. And I I know some of you here have been followers of Christ for many, many years. And this is a part of your story and and this is how you live out your life. And I know others are maybe newer in that relationship with Christ. And I'm confident there are others here who are listening to try to hear, God, what is this all about? What could this mean for my life? Who is Jesus? And there's a curiousness and there's still a growth factor. And we're all together here trying to learn what it means to follow Christ. But we begin with this being infected piece. But now the question is, how do we become contagious? How do we become contagious to where that faith rubs off from us to others that, that invites and draws others into this? Now, if we're talking about this multiply Campaign. This idea of expanding our facility and expanding our building and, and having 800 seats in here and whatnot, yes, it takes money and it takes resources, lots of that to do that. It takes sacrifice on our part to say, we want to be about that. We want to be about investing in a place here that, that can reach and share the good news of Christ with other people and a place where we can launch from to do missions and ministry throughout the world. But that's not going to fill the seats. How do we bring people in? It's one thing to be engaged. It's one thing to be, you know, with our finances. But how do we bring people to know Christ? Do we just say, that's the church's job? We just, you know, that's why we give our tithes and we have a staff. The staff can certainly do that. And we'll do some advertising online and, and then we'll put some banners out on the street. And hopefully people will show up. See, God's viral message in this plan says, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Who's he talking to? He's talking to us. He's talking to us as followers of Christ that we're going to be empowered to be able to do that, to take this message from one person to the next. And today I want to talk about what it looks like to be contagious. Because the reality is when when I talk in the church, we talk with believers, I have a suspicion that this idea of sharing your faith makes a lot of us go, ugh. Anyone going to be honest with me when you talk about sharing your faith that that's just one of the hardest things to do? Come on, let's say some hands. Let's show us support. Show us show, show support. I know there's some of us that, you know, would just say, oh, it's the easiest thing. For a lot of us, it's very hard. And, and the reality is many of us just don't want to do it. We, we're in a day and age where, um, you know, don't talk about your faith. It's great. You have your faith. I have my faith. But just leave it. That's a private matter. We can't talk about that at work. We can't do that in the schools. It's just, sometimes I, I think we've misunderstood and think that it's illegal in this country to talk about our faith. It's not, it's against the law for me to talk about, it is not against the law to talk about your faith. You can talk about your faith, but we, we clam up, and, and, and when you hear the words evangelism or, or sharing your faith in church, it's one of those, maybe maybe you're sitting here going, oh, I picked this Sunday to come to church? Like, I want to come talk to ones where we talk about love, you know, and, and, and doing things for other people and how God can change my marriage. But now it's sharing my, my faith. What does that look like? It's not as difficult as we might think. And I think maybe we conjure up ideas of what that would be and what that needs to look like. And I have to have these scriptures and I have to have stuff memorized. We're going to look at a way today that is, I think, going to really break it down in a much simpler, more approachable way that I believe honors the heart of God for being contagious, but we've got to be contagious, something that that would share and rub off from us. Now, this past summer, we're speaking of viral, this past summer, there was something that went viral, and it was shared from one person to the next. One person was infected, and then they were contagious. I'm not talking about Ebola. that, that, That was not the best illustration for this, but at the same time, it fits, you know, we want to be contagious. But no, we're talking about, remember the ice bucket challenge, the ALS ice bucket challenge? Now, ALS is a devastating disease, and and I've had one of my aunts and one of my wife's aunts um, suffered for this and watched the the effects of this just such a horrible way. But people got on board about how do we raise money and came up with this creative idea. But what was so powerful about the Ice Bucket Challenge is it wasn't just like, hey, give money to something. It was going to require me to do something And then tag somebody else, right? So before anyone dumped water on themselves, right? You know, you all know the videos, right? They had their bucket of water. Um, I'm so-and-so, and and now I challenge, and then you listed what? A couple names. And then you went and did it, and then you challenged the others now. And then you, you know, donated some money or did whatever, and it went viral, right? Everybody was doing it. And I think this kind of serves as an illustration for us in some ways about what it takes for us to become contagious. And just to inspire us a little bit about being contagious in our faith, we have some clips here about the, the ice bucket challenge and, and, and how, how that works. Even with good intentions, we just don't always get it right. <laughs> and I think when it comes to sharing our faith, sometimes we just don't get it right. We bumble through things, we try to say some stuff, and, and, and we just mess up. But I think, again, we want to talk about how do we share that, and I want to give you some handles and some tools for us to do that. So let's bow our heads before we open the Word of God together. Heavenly Father, thank you for, again, time and space, a place for us to turn to your Word, to dial into your Spirit, to speak to us this morning. Father, we want to be a viral church where our faith is contagious, where we just continue to share your good news to people's lives all around. So speak to us this morning and let us know our part. Amen. It's easy to talk about what the church should do to reach others in faith, but what we're talking about here today with Contagious is it's personal. God's plan wasn't for some organization or for some group to pass on the faith, but it was always intended to be one-on-one, person-to-person, the sharing of the, of our faith. And I would kind of have a question for you as we start here, is if you um, look behind you, if you've been a follower of Christ for any, any length of time, if you were to look behind you, figuratively speaking, is there anyone that is walking the path of faith because of you, because of your influence, because of your your, your effect on their life, but because you cared for them because you invited them because you involved them in some way that they began to walk behind you and and that you look behind you and that there are people walking into the kingdom of God with you because that's how the message goes viral and today when we talk about this approach I want you to remember four letters that are gonna we're gonna cover four different points and it's this p c s i so I encourage you to take notes today say p c s i and it stands for pray And CSI is easy to remember, right? But it's care, share, and invite, not crime scene investigation, okay? So pray, care, share, and invite. And we're going to talk through this process because one of the ways we began um, this series is talking about praying for opportunities that God would give you to invite somebody, to share with somebody, especially as we're talking about Easter coming up, and just being in a state of prayer, that we begin by saying, God, one way for me to be contagious is, God, just give me opportunities, just open the door for me somewhere, somehow, because we have to train ourselves to begin to think and to allow the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see what He wants us to see in the people and the situations around us. And So we begin by praying. The question is, what do we do when the opportunity presents itself? And so today as we, we continue on in Acts, we're looking at Acts chapter 3 today. I'm going to read some uh, sections from that. We'll have some of the scriptures up, but I'll read some more that aren't going to be up on the screen. And, and here we have a situation in, uh, in Acts 3 where Peter and John are just going through a normal routine in their everyday life that we might be able to relate to. Here's how it begins. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Then the story continues. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When, Peter, when he saw Peter and John about to enter... He asked them for some money. So here we have a situation that um, could happen in everyday life, right? Maybe you're driving to work on a regular basis, and there's a person that's on the side of the road with a sign every single day, and maybe you've seen them for months or weeks or years maybe. Or maybe it's just a person at work that just seems to always be having a certain challenge or a certain problem, always got issues going on, or somebody with a troubled life or maybe a friend or a neighbor a coworker. And it's just this routine. It just happens all the time. Like this guy was carried to the temple every day. And it was just the routine. He begged for money. And the normal routine was some people gave money and a lot of them probably avoided it. Now, you know how it is, right? Sometimes you, you feel compassion and you give something. And other times you're like, oh, if I just, you know, avoid the situation, um, you know, I don't have to deal with it. So here's the situation. Here's an opportunity that presented itself. And, and if Peter and, and, and John were praying for opportunities, maybe this was it. And maybe we don't understand that there are opportunities every day in the people and the places around us that we neglect to see because it's the routine, it's the same thing that happens around us, but normally we just don't react to it. So these guys are praying for opportunities, they're looking for something, and here is an opportunity that presents itself. And so how do they respond to this? How do we often respond? Well, here's what it says in verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift. The first part here after pray is care. We have to actually see the need. When we're praying for opportunity, we're asking God to give us eyes to see the need and to see the opportunity in front of us. Now, what do we often do is we avert our eyes, right? If we change the channel or if we look away, the problem disappears, doesn't it, right? The person that needs help, the person that's struggling, the person that kind of drains your energy because of all the issues that they're dealing with and want to talk to you about, you just kind of maybe don't Deal with it and it goes away. It goes away for you, but it doesn't go away for that person. What Peter and John did here is they saw the need and instead of looking away, they actually leaned into it. They actually said to the man, Look at us. I mean, this man was probably just doing one of these things, you know, need, need money. He's probably stopped making contact with eye contact with people because he's been, you know, ignored too many times and now it's just a matter of routine. But Peter and John, in that moment, broke that ordinary routine and said look at us and I think we need to train ourselves to look at the needs and look at the situation look at what's right in front of us and and stare a little bit longer (laughs) see what's really there see what the need is and of course the man then looked up and now he's eagerly expecting a gift somebody gave him attention and now he's hoping that that he would receive something from that but as we think about people that we engage with in everyday life that we're praying for opportunities those opportunities might be all around you Somebody at work, somebody at school, a neighbor down the street, a family member in need. How do we look at and engage that person? It often presents itself as a need. And that's the part where, you know, it starts getting more difficult. It's one thing to pray for people. We're going to pray for opportunity. But here's the first step. All right, there is a need. How do we respond? For many of us, the initial reaction is, oh, I'm too busy. I don't have time. We talked a few weeks ago about love is inconvenient right? That sometimes it's going to take us to step out of the norm. And that's what Peter and John do. They lean into it. They look and they really see the the need. They don't back away. And then it goes further. Then Peter said to him in verse 6, he said, but Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. We have our assignment. Scary thought, isn't it? How, do you, how did you do that? See, for most of us, we, we say the exact same thing Peter says, but we stop after that first sentence. I don't have any money for you. See you later. And we miss an opportunity. But Peter goes further, and here's what he says. He says, look, I don't have any money for you. I, I, I can't give you what I don't have. And so many times we, we focus on the things we don't have. And again, we stop there and we say, I, I can't really help this person, maybe financially. Maybe their needs in their marriage or in their life or their addictions or their hang-ups or the hurts that they're dealing with or the abuse and the pain. I can't possibly help that person. Like that is over my pay grade. That is not in my scale of, of what I do. And so I'm sorry, I can't help and we move on. What Peter says is, I can't do this, but there is something I can do. And he focuses on what he can do. And this is where we go, wow, that's actually really bold. you know. I'll, I'll give you what I have. <laughs> what does he have? He has faith. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, walk, stand up, and walk. He does two things here. He addresses the very real physical need. This man obviously has a physical need. He, he went beyond the money. And we can throw money at a lot of things that can help. And it's a, that's important for us to do that and to help financially where we can. But he went beyond that surface thing and he said, there's something more going on. This man needs healing. He needs transformation. He doesn't just need another dollar to get through another day. He needs a radical life transformation. And and here's Peter going, I've just experienced Jesus in a powerful way. He's transforming lives. 3,000 people have come to faith. God is on the move. And he's like going, I know God can do this. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what he gives him is Jesus. He doesn't give it in his own power. He doesn't give it in his own strength. Peter and John, they can't make somebody who's lame walk again. But he brings them Jesus and brings that healing. And so when we're caring for people, it's not enough just to see the need. We see needs all the time. Look into them a little more, but then find a way to meet that need. Try to do something that, that, that shows that person a real interest, a real care. We talk about here one of our key values in the ways that we do ministry here is love. How? How? That was kind of weak. Love how? No strings attached. And for those of you who don't know, it's no strings attached. So let's say it together. Love how? No strings attached. It's just love. We don't have an agenda here. We don't. And, and I want to say this too as we go through what seems like a strategy for reaching people. It's not about an agenda with people. I mean, if somebody says, Mark, do you have an agenda with me? I say, you know, yeah, I do have an agenda with people. I want you to know Christ. I mean, I want you to know the love and the forgiveness, but it's not, you're not a project. It's, it's about what God has done for me, and I, I want you to experience that. But, but we love, we just, we just meet a need, and Jesus did this all the time. He just met a need. He saw what was there. If people were hungry, he fed them. If they were sick, he, he healed them. If, if they were lonely, he visited them. And so when we see a need, we meet it. So that's that, that's that caring element. And it's going to cost us something. It takes us a step. But again, Peter saw more there than just the surface need. This person is a person that needs the healing touch of Jesus Christ. So then he goes on, right? So at this point, he, he, the story changes. Then it says in verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did... The man's feet and ankle bones were healed in strength, and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. Wouldn't that be a cool story? How, do you think it changed their worship that Sunday? I mean, this guy that's been lame from birth was outside, and here he comes in. He's hop-skipping. He's like, "Woo! I'm in church. I'm going to sing today like I never sang before. I experienced God's transformation. And sometimes I wonder if maybe the reason we can't worship stronger or maybe, maybe more heartfelt is because we've not been experiencing the power of God in our lives or around us or we haven't allowed God to use us. If you've seen how God can use you during the week, it becomes more and more real and more and more powerful. And it brings our worship to life. And so, so he's coming in and he's worshiping and, 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 and amazing things are happening. People are gathering around. They're curious what has happened. What is God doing in this moment? An amazing healing has just happened. And then it says uh, here, everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. And then in verse 12, as everybody's now gathered around, here's another moment and a shift. Now it goes from caring, and Peter, it says this Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. With each of these progressions, it gets a little harder. To, to be involved in being contagious. Praying, first of all, you got, you know, it begins by you got to make a commitment to say, I'm going to pray, God, give me opportunity, eyes to see. But it's something that we kind of do on our own and, and however you, you make that prayer to God. But now you see a need, you got to care. It's going to take some money, some time, some energy, some effort. And now an opportunity presents itself to share. This means actually speaking. And many times in the church, a phrase has become popular that says, always share the gospel. Use words when necessary. Ever heard that? I think it's a pretty good phrase most of the time. But, it's, but many of us never get to the necessary part. I'm just going to do acts of love. I'm just going to love people, love people, love, love people. That's important. But at some point, we need to share. Part of the good news is news. It needs to be communicated. It needs to be shared. And here, Peter saw an opportunity. And what happens to us many times is we see an opportunity. and it's like, ah. nope, not ready for that. Not going to share. I'm just going to keep loving him. Good. Keep loving him. Keep doing that. But share. He, Peter later writes, he says, um, Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. He's saying, as believers, as followers of Christ, we should always be ready to give an answer when somebody says, what, What's happening here? Why is that hope you have? And I wonder if he thought of this story, if Peter remembered this time and th- thought, I was ready at that moment. I mean, maybe I didn't feel ready, but the Holy Spirit helped me in that moment, and he seized that moment. He seized that opportunity to share his faith and to share about what God was doing. But this is, again, where we get clammed up and go, man, I, I can't talk. I, I, don't, I don't know all the Bible verses, and so I don't know how to walk somebody through what it means to be a follower of Christ, and I'm afraid they're going to ask me questions. Let me just take the pressure off you for a moment. You don't need to do that. As a matter of fact, I'd be surprised how many people would come to faith because you logically explained to them the progression of Scripture and the theology of Jesus Christ. Very few people, I think, come to faith like that. That's not your responsibility unless you have that opportunity and somebody asks those questions, and if you don't know them, bring them somewhere else or say, I'll figure it out. But that's not what, what happens here. Here's how, what, what Peter does. He sees the opportunity, and he just begins to tell them about what he's experienced. I mean, this Jesus that he's walked with, that he's seen, that he was alive and he resurrected. And then he says, we're witnesses of this. He's telling them about what he saw. And then he tells them specifically about this man who was standing with them. And here's what it says in verse 16. The name of Jesus has healed this man. And you know how lame he was before. And I don't think he meant that like in slang, man. Dude, you know how lame he was before. Um, (laughs) Faith in Jesus' name has caused this healing before your very eyes. You see those words on that screen before, how, and now. When we talk about sharing your faith, it's sharing your story. That's it. It's sharing your story. And if you would remember just these three simple words of how to share your story with somebody, tell them about before. Before you knew Christ, before you met Christ, before Jesus changed your life, what was your life like? And it doesn't have to be some kind of crazy story. I mean, but it's your it's gotta be your story. And we all have different stories. I always felt like I was kind of cheated of a great story because I grew up in a pastor's home and you know, I didn't kill anybody and I didn't, you know, and I didn't, you know, get into the worst things in the world. And I thought, man, I don't have a I don't have a story. Who wants to hear about the kid that grew up in a pastor's home and is now a pastor himself? Like I'm obviously out of touch with the world. Um, but I realized that even my story was my story. And my story was that I grew up in a pastor's home and I was around the church. I was raised with parents who, who loved me and who loved the church and, and, and taught me the ways of Christ. And I was in Sunday school. But still, I realized at the age of 13 that I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. That I couldn't just lean, lean on my family's faith and my parents' faith and, and the fact that my friends or others in the church knew God. This needed to be something that I needed to know personally. Now that may not connect with a lot of you, but it might connect with people who've grown up in the church. And so it's just my story. And that's how it was before Christ. And I realized I needed to make that commitment. And then many times we just go to, now this is what my life is like. Well, we need to remember that step. How? How? This is important. How did it happen? And you know what? It happens different for every person. There's not a formula. Becoming a follower of Christ is not a formula. Now I know we say "Say the sinner's prayer and magically you become a follower of Christ. That's one way. Not that it magically happens, but if you're in that moment ready to say, I am ready to turn my life to Christ, it can happen in a moment because God has transformed your heart and in that moment, you're just expressing what God's done in your heart. For other people, for some of you, it may have taken years. You may say, I don't even really know the day I became a Christian, but I knew God just transformed me over time and over time and now I just know I believe he's the son of God, and I believe that he's alive. I believe that he forgave me of my sins. I I, I feel his grace and and his love flowing through me. I live for him. I I don't have a day, but but I know God has changed me. And you share your story, and that's a good story. It's it's your story. Maybe you went to a a youth camp. Maybe you were a kid at church. Maybe it was sitting with somebody. Maybe it was your parents who who led you to faith or, or a grandparent, but share the how part. And then you talk about now, and now... This is what my life is like. My life is perfect. I don't have any problems anymore. Jesus is like a magic genie. He gives me everything I want. I have never been happier in my life. Sometimes we think we have to share that kind of story. That somehow being a follower of Christ makes your life perfect. It doesn't, actually. In some ways, it may make your life more difficult, more challenging. But when you have the peace of Christ and you know Christ, you know the forgiveness and the freedom that, not if I mess up, when I mess up, when I fail, God loves me. My Heavenly Father has forgiven me. That I can come into a place like this and worship, and I, I'm almost hoarse from singing sometimes because it's one time in the week where it's just like, I get off the throne. You know, the rest of the week we get on the throne of our, of our lives, and we become king in our lives and in our homes and in our worlds. And, and we need to be reminded that we got to take that crown off and, uh, and submit to Christ and that he is the king. He is the one we're singing to. And, and, and it flows out of that kind of life. And so that's how I would maybe share a story. And and you just share your story. Now, can somebody argue with your story as being incorrect? No, it's your story. (laughs) I mean, they may say that, but they're idiotic if they do. I mean, it's your story. You can't argue with somebody's story. That's what God did for them. So you're not there trying to have some kind of, you know, 99 thesis points that you're trying to help explain to somebody. You're just sharing your story. But it's going to take a step of courage for you to be willing to do that. But if you're in a relationship with people, you're caring for them, you've been praying for opportunity, and in that moment, you just share. Maybe that happens in a, in a, in a conversation, or maybe that sharing happens over years with somebody. In time, as you just have that confidence to share about the difference that Jesus Christ has made in, in your life. But remember, it keeps getting more difficult. It's one thing to pray. It's another to, to get involved and to care. It's another to take that more of a risk, like, okay, I'm going to share my story now with them. And then this last part is where we often kind of hit the wall, and it's invite. And so at one point after Peter is preaching for a while, in verse uh, 19, he kind of comes to a point, he says, Now turn from your sins and turn to God, so you can be cleansed of your sins. Then wonderful times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Now I'm not advocating you need to use this sentence (laughs) with people, but in this situation, what Peter did is he, he saw the moment, he saw the opportunity, he talked about the difference that Christ made in this man's life and, and in Peter's life and, and that he was witnesses of this, but then he had the courage to push the conversation one little step further, which was to put the ball back in the other person's court. And as the people were listening here, now he challenged them. He said, now turn from your sins because there's a life of refreshing that God wants to bring renewal to you, but he took the courage to ask that question. And this is where so many of us fall short. We just can't bring ourselves to ask that question. And I know that feeling. I deal with that feeling. I struggle with that here as I preach at times, wanting to come to the point where I share a message and, and I put the word out there. Now it's like, do I call for an invitation? Do I ask people to cross the line of faith? And, and I feel a tension rising up in me at times with that. Because the reality is, it, it's, it's a risk that we take. And we don't want to be rejected and we don't want people to, to turn from that or, or, or it's just easier to kind of stay back on, it's just my story and you do whatever you want. But God wants us to take a step forward. I remember last uh, last year I thought it was going to be my, I started sensing that it would probably be my last Easter at our last church. And I was thinking about the neighbors that we'd lived with for you know seven or eight years and some we'd invite at different times to church and some came, some didn't. And there were some that I thought, man, this going to be maybe one of the last opportunities I have to share the gospel with them through our church on that Sunday morning and was challenging people in our church too to to reach out to invite somebody and 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 it got hard you know it was one of those deals where God I'm praying for opportunities and and then we were heading down to the last um, day or two before Easter and I'd been praying for one of my neighbors and just didn't have the opportunity never like saw him outside and never kind of you know so I was like well I'm off the hook then but I'm in, I was in my office at the front of the house, and I see his garage door open up across the street. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, all right, I guess this is the opportunity. But I hesitated, like, a couple times, and I think I even told Shannon, I'm like, all right, Monty's, Monty's home. Like, do I, do I go over there? And uh, I'm like, oh, I don't know, this feels kind of weird. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, so I went over there, and I, I had a little invite card, and, and I just, you know, invited him to Easter and just struck up a little bit of conversation and said, hey, Mona, you know, I'd love for you and your, your family to come. You've never, you've never been yet. Would you, would you come? And, and he said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. And, um, and, and I wish I could tell you that he came and his family's life was changed and transformed for, forever. He didn't show up. He didn't show up. Great example, isn't it, to use in this. See, our job isn't to determine how people respond. Our job is to be faithful with what God has put in front of us to seize the opportunity, to have the courage to take a step. And that's why he said the Holy Spirit's going to give you power and courage to be my witnesses. In our own strength, we don't do that. But if you lean in those moments and say, God, just give me the courage to invite, maybe to invite them, maybe you ask a simple question, and I, and, and I have, haven't had as many of these opportunities as I would hope for in my life, but to lead somebody across the line of faith. In those moments where God has given those opportunities, I remember that, that point where you talk with somebody and you kind of feel like, man, they, they just need to take that step of faith, and, and it's like an internal battle, like, do I ask the question, do I, and then be like, maybe, and when I have at times done that, it's been amazing to say, you know, what's keeping you from surrendering your, your life to Christ right now? Can we pray? Can we talk about that, and, and how people respond to that, but if we check it out, if we back off in that moment, we may be missing an opportunity that God wants to use you to help lead somebody Across the line of faith, or taking a step in the direction of coming to church and being involved in the ministry, or, or you know the other week we'd bowling with friends and a family here, invited a, another friend to come to that event, not to church, but to come to the bowling event. And it was a great way to meet and to connect. And so what does that invitation look like to your home, to the church? Easter's coming up, an amazing opportunity to invite others. And so I just want to challenge you, as we wrap up here, that remember this PCSI, that if you're going to be contagious. And you're going to have a viral faith. Pray for opportunities in these next couple weeks. Get some names in your head of people that, that you really, is God putting on your heart, or just opportunities that you see every day. Find the need and meet it as you care for them. Have the courage to share something about your story, and about who you are. And have the courage to invite them. And watch what God can do here. We're going to close in prayer. And I just want you to take a moment to ask God to impress on your heart and on your spirit the names of a couple individuals that he may be asking you to take a bigger interest in. So just close your eyes and reflect on that for a moment. Father, I just pray as all these different names are being impressed on the hearts and minds of the people in this room, Father, if I try to imagine this place filled with those very individuals on a Sunday or on an Easter or at some gathering of our church, God, how powerful would that be? So think about the weeks coming up. God, would you give opportunities for us to meet the needs of those around us, to have the courage to do that, to tell our story, to invite them into life with you or to just experience how you're moving in this church and the power of, of your word and the worship when we gather. God, would you give us the honor that one day we would look behind us and see people won into your kingdom because of your spirit guiding us and us responding? And Father, in those times where we face rejection and others that don't respond, would we just just give us a peace to know that you're continuing to work in people and that Um, Even you are rejected, God. Move through our church. Move through us as a body. Help us to multiply. In Jesus' name, amen.